0: These guys have big-timed me for months. I tried at the bye week to have you guys come on the show. You guys told me since I don't do nationally televised appearances, you guys weren't interested in having me on your podcast again. Correct. But now that they've made the playoffs, you guys have made the trek. You look like you just woke up about 35 minutes ago. Correct. Ryan, you you don't look as disheveled as your man right here, but... The Amateur Hour podcast, the Stick to Sports podcast, we have collaborated once again for the people.
1: I, I mean, I, I am i am a little sleepy. This is earlier than we normally are, are out here trying to function, but that's okay, because we do it for the people. We do it for the Chiefs fans, which we are. I think I also speak for 90% of Kansas City. I'm feeling
2: very sick this week and the last week. you got uh, to push
0: through it. I didn't know you were like Baker Mayfield out here. You're really pushing through the flu. I'm
2: pretty much Baker Mayfield, yes.
0: So the voice you just heard—that's Nick Reese, his Dirkness. What, what, what do you want me to call you during this podcast? I don't want to put your government out there like that. Dirk People is fine. Do, okay. I'll let you call me Dirk. All right, Dirk is fine. And then Ryan uh, Scott Hall—you still calling yourself this wrestler name, or like what? What, what are we? What are we doing? These that's days?
1: that's my full name. It just—I—I—I I, I thought that just the two syllables, the Ryan Hall, was a little too short, so I go with three. I should have morphed into Kevin Nash or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you guys could have been the Wolfpack. It was—I
1: had like his Dirkness, so Ryan Scott. Hall felt like it needed to go with that. I know you guys
0: were an excellent tag team. So again, the Amateur Hour podcast (laughs) joins me today. Happy to talk Chiefs. Let's just start with where I think every Chiefs conversation has started today because I I think it was you, Nick, when we were talking about this on Friday night. Yes. You seem to think this is real Alex Smith and it's not just a 2017 fluke. You think the numbers we've seen from Alex Smith, if he comes back in 2018, are real and he can replicate those numbers next season.
2: I do, yes, because, I mean, he keeps his interception numbers low every season. That's that's just a given with Alex Smith, and now with the weapons, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both at full strength,
0: I think he would put up similar numbers to what he's putting up. Yes, I I actually made this comparison yesterday, and I want to throw it in. I want to throw it at you guys and see if, how you feel about it. I think every year, maybe every other year, we see a quarterback who we feel like we have a pretty good understanding of what they are, kind of pop up and have that one season. I like, remember Andy Dalton a couple years ago, the year he broke his thumb. He was having a really good season. He broke his thumb in the playoffs trying to make that tackle. Before the playoffs trying to make the tackle, A.J. McCarron came in. I saw yesterday the retirement of Carson Palmer in 2015. Carson Palmer, 34 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 104.7 quarterback rating. Then the bottom fell out. I kind of think the same thing's going to happen here. That I think Alex Smith is having a really good season. I'm not trying to diminish his season at all. But would any of us be surprised if next season he threw for 3,300 yards, 23 touchdowns, and nine interceptions? And that's not a bad season. That's just a typical Alex Smith season. Look, I I think
2: Alex Smith is a a product of his offense. Uh, I think he's put up those numbers before because the Chiefs offense just wasn't, you know, built that great. And now, I mean, you look at, I mentioned Travis Travis Kelsey and and Tyreek Hill. You also got Kareem Hunt running the ball, and you also got an offensive line that just somewhat solidified itself. So, I mean, it's pretty much, and Andy Reid calling the plays, so it's pretty much the perfect situation around Alex Smith, and that's why he's putting up the numbers, he's saying. Look, I'm not saying he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. I'm just saying his stats look like it, and I think he would put up similar stats to it next year, yes.
1: Well, and a minor correction is that at least over the last – what, five, six games, is Matt Nagy's been calling plays, not Andy Reid. And if Nagy ends up leaving this offseason, we've already seen that he's in for two different jobs. Both the Bears and the Colts want to interview him. And we go back to Andy Reid calling plays with Alex Smith, and you're talking about year six of those two guys, I think that there is a pretty high probability that Alex can regress back to the mean of his career. Um but, I mean, frankly, as as much as I know people want to talk about this, I don't think it matters. Mahomes is playing quarterback next year, and that's the end of the story to me. I just I don't I don't see any scenario in which Alex is the starting quarterback for the Chiefs in 2018.
0: I'm kind of with you unless they go to the Super Bowl because I think that changes things and I think it'll be a little bit of a Ravens <laughs> effect. Like, man, how do we walk away from Joe Flacco even though we might not necessarily 100% believe in Joe Flacco? He got to the Super Bowl, he won a Super Bowl, we have to pay him. I guess the last point on Alex Smith that we can't move on because I do agree with, with Ryan that I think Mahomes is going to be the quarterback next year and I assume you agree too that Mahomes is going to be the quarterback next year.
2: Well, I think there's a lot on the line in
0: these playoffs. I think it's I think it's very possible that Alex Smith comes back. My point, my last point on Alex, and again, we can move on from it, is we see teams regress all the time. Like, we agree, out of these 12 playoff teams, what, seven of them will be bad next year? Like, we're going to see an infusion of new playoff teams. Can we say the same thing about players? Like, we look at stats and we look at different things throughout the course of the season. Man, it's not like... It's not like quarterbacks like Alex Smith are consistently at the top. Rodgers is going to be back next year. Like, I kind of think this was a down year quarterback-wise that normally we see 10, 11, 12 guys over 4,000 yards. But this year, because of the injuries that happened, it was just a fewer number. I think the same regression we see from a team aspect, we're going to see from individual player aspect, and I would put Alex Smith in that category.
2: Well, one of, one of my overarching points of the NFL is we're about to lose Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, and we just lost Peyton Manning and that's 3 of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. And just because they're going out doesn't mean new top 10 quarterbacks are coming in, you know, automatically. It doesn't mean there's going to be this this all-time quarterback at the top right now. It could just be a period of time where there's a bunch of good quarterbacks and no one's really at the top. And I mean, it's still Aaron Rodgers is still around, so you still got him. So there's four of the top 10 quarterbacks. So you don't just automatically put top 10 quarterbacks, you know, year after year after year. It's we're in a particularly great cycle of quarterbacks that is about to cycle out of the league. And we're going to see a different NFL after that, I would think. And we're still, we're still hanging on because Tom Brady's, you know, 40 and and never gets old. And, so, maybe he plays till 50, and, and my point I saw you tweeting move. yesterday,
0: he does look old right now. He does. I mean, six touchdowns, five interceptions, and with the last five games, I wonder how much of that is. Last week, he, or last season, he only played 12 games, bye week happened, now this bye week kind of rejuvenates him and helps him get ready for that playoff push, like, he kind of did look like he was being pushed along to the end of the road, that if there's any player in the NFL that's going to really benefit from a bye week, I think it's Brady. Well,
1: and to to Dirk's point like one of the conversations that we had earlier this year about you know how how can you bring Alex back what are the circumstances under which you would want him to be your quarterback in 2018 and i mean we kind of wondered like does it have anything to do with Alex if tom brady actually retires if ben roethlisberger actually retires and suddenly the afc is truly wide open you probably want alex to be your quarterback next year because i mean that it, for all intents and purposes, put you in the driver's seat. Like I would be more inclined to keep Alex and let him play out the final year of his deal if those two guys retired. If yeah. they're back next year, I then would I'm actually just feel that way like, if
0: just Brady retired. Like, let's say that the let's say the Patriots win. I'm picking the mm-hmm. Patriots win the Super Bowl. I don't know who you guys are half. I'm sure we'll get to it yeah. throughout the course of the thing. I'm picking the Patriots win the Super Bowl. Let's say they win the Super Bowl. Now Brady has six. That six and eight appearances. You're 40 years old wife at least last offseason didn't seem too excited about the football thing at your age I could see Brady stepping down at the end of the season and saying hey I've had a fantastic run but it's time for me to do something else in my life I want to go try to be an owner or do something different with my life I roll the dice if I'm the Chiefs like I I would at least understand let me say I would understood I would understand if they roll the dice with Alex Smith next season if Brady retired Uh, at the end of the year
2: well okay so I've kind of been put in the corner of defending Alex Smith here but let me just say I'm not totally in favor of bringing him back it's a prerequisite that he wins at least the divisional round playoff game and it has to do with if I fully believe the Chiefs can win the Super Bowl in 2018 then who gives them a better chance to win the Super Bowl in 2018 Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes and if I watch these playoff games and I see this team and I see Alex Smith and I think Alex gives them the best shot next year then I would support Alex to to, to be the quarterback. And the the only thing I would counter to your point about Tom Brady is that, you know, they just gave away Jimmy Garoppolo. And, I mean, would they really not consult with Tom Brady before that and, and you know, lock it down that he's going to be back more than, I mean, this wouldn't be his last year? I mean, I would hope not from a Patriots standpoint that he's not just like, no, I'll be back and then we win and then we get rid of Garoppolo and then you retire so now we're just you know without
0: a quarterback is there any team though like if there's one team that would deserve to be in that predicament it oh, would please, be the it, like please. it would be the patriots <laughs> they like they've played this quarterback thing so perfectly for the last 17 years i feel like
2: i've been like that brady screws them over i've been tailgating for the patriots demise for like the last 5 years just like have. i just give it to me I, I i need it
0: i'm ready for it give it to me <laughs> That was Nick Reese, his Dirkness. I don't know what other alias you're going from, a.k.a. Todd Haley, homeless guy. I don't know what like look you're Kevin going Nash, for. Kevin Nash, Diesel. And uh, Ryan Scott Hall joining us from the Amateur Hour podcast. Let's just start with this. Do we have the Chiefs advancing past the second round? Because I would imagine, I have not asked you guys specifically, I would imagine all three of us have them beating the Titans. Anybody disagree with that? Anybody not having them beating the Titans?
2: No. There's some <laughs> things that scare me. That we can get into now yeah, or later, I mean, I but, have... but no I'm, I'm i'm gonna pick the chiefs if so
0: i would also assume i'm just gonna speak for everybody here i would assume all our fears are the same can the chiefs run the ball effectively against tennessee who are fourth in the nfl against the run can they stop the run because the tennessee titans would appear to be a team hey marcus mariota can't beat the chiefs we are going to be committed to running the ball 40 times can the chiefs stop a team that 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 is that committed to running the football that we know can run the ball effectively. I would imagine that's all of our fears about this game.
1: Yes. And no. So here's the thing. I mean, everybody keeps seeing the stat that Tennessee only allowed five rushing touchdowns this year. And, um, you know, it's, it was like nine of their last 11 held under a hundred yards. It's, it's kind of funny. So 11 of 16 teams that Tennessee played didn't amass a hundred rushing yards, not like single player, like as a team on the day, and the Chiefs only held four teams under 100 yards rushing in a day. And and two of them were Oakland. So, um, I, I mean, they are kind of polar opposites in that regard. But, I mean, as as the conversation that uh, you had with Therese yesterday is like, this is, this is a Reggie Ragland game. This is why you bring that guy in. Tennessee does not run to the edges. They run between the tackles. And, frankly, if that gives the Chiefs a bunch of opportunities to be in their base defense and stop the run, we get gashed when we get put in nickel. And Tennessee does not have, you know, four receiving options to put out there to spread us out and then try to run. So I, I'm not too worried about Tennessee being able to run all over us. And as far as them stopping the run is concerned, I mean, so so they're they're great at at stopping teams running the ball, but they are last in the league at stopping running backs coming out of the backfield as receivers. Last in the league. So when I see that, I say, you know. Kareem Hunt is fantastic at getting in space. Forgive me for and not knowing this stat. Are we talking about It's it's like running back receiving yards. I'm just trying to kind of It's understand essentially it's like I seen it. Yeah, it's essentially like receiving yards from running backs. I got a, I've got a DVOA
2: stat 32nd in the league versus opposing running backs receiving.
1: Yeah, it's in terms of like in passing situations, they are last in the league against running backs. Okay. They're 24th against tight ends and they're 28th against number 2 wide receivers. So I mean, I I look at that, and I just say, at least as far as Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt are concerned, I think they're going to be able to do what they want. And when they played against top-tier guys, and I don't know if people are ready to put Kareem Hunt in this category, whether he led the league in rushing or not, but against Le'Veon and Todd Gurley, they got worked. Worked over by both of them. And, I mean, when you look at the stats, Kareem Hunt is in that category. So I don't have any worry about the Chiefs offense being able to score points I think that they're going to be able to handle Tennessee. That number's pretty high, though. I don't know if they're going to cover the nine or ten that it's up to now. Well, if they're able to run, though, if the Chiefs are able to run the ball,
2: it's it's good night, sweetheart. Like yeah. the game will not be close. Um, on the Titans' running game, on their offense, uh, I was looking up their their home road splits, and on the road, they're actually ninth in attempts, twenty fourth in yards, twenty seventh in yards per carry. This is the Titans running the ball. And in their last three games, they only averaged three point three yards per carry, which is thirtieth in the NFL. So not exactly a uh, the running game you'd expect like from them last year. Yeah, we all kind of we think of the Titans. We think of like their power running game from
0: last year. Last year they were kind of like how the Saints are this season. I don't think they were as explosive as yeah. the Saints are right. this season, but it was very Saints ish last yeah, year. Yeah, they're them.
2: running. Their offensive line seemed more powerful, and and I haven't watched them closely enough to to speak on their line. Uh, I think DeMarco Murray was a better running back. He's been banged up all year this year, and they won't mm-hmm. really hand the reins to to Derrick Henry, who I think is a better running back. But their running game isn't as scary as you'd think it was, like like watching them last season and watching them run all over us last season. It's not It's not the same running game this year.
0: So all three of us have the Chiefs beating the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it starts to get sticky, and I assume there's some division between the three of us. I don't have them advancing in the second round against either opponent. I think the Steelers have been such a bad matchup for the Chiefs that I find it kind of hard to think they're going to go on the road and beat the Steelers. And, I mean, it's the Patriots in January. I wouldn't, pick, I wouldn't pick Pittsburgh to win at New England in January. Are you guys the same way when it comes to the next round? Does it depend if they play the Steelers or the Patriots? Where are you guys both at?
1: I think the biggest thing for me right now is can any front seven player not named Justin Houston make an impact on the game? Um, I I mean, we've seen in in some stretches Chris Jones go out and and make some plays, but for the most part, it's always guys in the secondary that make plays for this team. It's interceptions. It's not getting after the quarterback. And if someone like Chris Jones or, I mean – I don't know if if K. is the guy that can step up and make some plays, or you know Reggie Ragland or Derek Johnson, who whoever, if they have someone in the front seven other than Justin Houston that can get after the quarterback and make some plays for them, then the Chiefs can make a lot of noise. Because it's it's crazy to me that they only have one guy in the front seven that is is consistently generating pressure or someone that other teams have to account for. I mean, they're we're talking about the front seven and only one guy does something. That means there are six other guys that are just being neutralized on a regular basis. So that's not asking a lot for one of those guys to step up and make some plays. And I think it's going to make a tremendous impact on what the defense can do.
2: Well, and I think, I think you've seen flashes from the front seven, but I do think that will be a determining factor is how the front seven plays. Like they need Mm -hmm. them to play uh, one of their better games of the season against uh, the uh, Steelers or, or Patriots. Uh, I think it comes down to, will they be able to run the ball on either of those teams? And, and like Ryan said, how will the front seven play? Like, that's the determining factor. But I'm not a, I'm not a black and white prediction kind of guy. I'm a percentages kind of guy. So, I you know, I don't go into the game being like, I'm going to pick the Patriots no matter what. Because, yes, the, I would favor the Patriots no matter what, obviously. I mean, it's Belichick and Brady in, mm-hmm. in January. Uh, so, I, my question is, what percent chance do you give the Chiefs winning going into Foxborough? I think it's more than likely going to be Foxborough for the second round game. So, that's what I'm kind of gearing towards right now and you know i'd put him at like
0: 35 percent why so high I, i'm just like i, I kind of want to unpack this why 35 percent i would say a pretty favorable chance like i think if you ask Chiefs fans at the beginning of the season hey you're gonna have a healthy alex smith you're gonna have the number one running game in the nfl you'll have justin houston which we assume justin houston's gonna play next week he's played all 15 games that they've played so far this season tyreek hill's gonna be healthy travis kelsey like gonna be healthy knock on wood You'll take your chances at Foxborough with a 35-40% chance to yeah, win the game. obviously. Yeah. Uh, did you say did you say why is it so high? Yeah, I'm just curious. Uh,
2: I don't New England doesn't seem like one of the better New England teams of their time, I guess. I mean, Gronk's playing maybe better than he ever has right now and Dion Lewis is playing great. Uh, Brady hasn't had a, gr- a great last month and we'll, you know, we'll see if that's something or nothing, obviously. Uh, the offensive line isn't what it used to be. The defense has come on, but I think You know, in situational football, do we trust the Patriots' defense right now? I don't. I don't look at it. It's not scary. They don't have many pass rushers. Uh, They got good corners on the outside, but it's not. I don't look at this Patriots team and think like it's one of the better Patriots teams of these days. Uh, Now, I've said that before about Patriots teams, and they still won the Super Bowl, and they're still gonna. I mean, they're still the favorites right now, so give them that. But I don't look at the
0: Patriots as unbeatable by any means. My fear in the game would be. I don't know if I trust this defense enough to go on the road and slow teams down. At Arrowhead, they've been fantastic this year. I saw a stat. I think B.J. Kistel was the one that tweeted out. I mean, they've held all their opponents at home games under 20 points. Mm -hmm. That's not how it's been on the road. Like, the last time we saw this defense play on the road, they got torched by Josh McCown and he won AFC Player of the Week. Now, I'm not counting what happened last week against the Broncos. We agree that was a different kind of circumstance. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know if I trust this team on the road, especially when you factor in. I don't know if the Chiefs can play an A-plus game the way that they played the first time. I mean, Alex Smith maybe played the best game of his career. Kareem Hunt played the best game of his career. Tyreek Hill had a big play. Like, a lot of things kind of fell into place. And you can argue in terms of, like, Brady regular season games, maybe one of the ten worst we've seen since he's been a Patriot. I mean, he he completed 44% of his passes. I just think it was a little bit of that. The Stars had to align perfectly for that game to be the blowout that it was.
1: So here's the thing. Like, middle of the season when the – Chiefs defense, especially after the team started to kind of take a turn for the worst, the Chiefs defense was like near the bottom of the league in scoring, and we all had a conversation, I think, just like as a Chiefs community, that you look at the back half of the schedule and you see all of these teams and how bad they are, and we know that the Chiefs defensive numbers are going to improve, but we don't know if it's going to be a paper tiger or not because – it, it's surely by competition. The numbers are going to improve. Where do the chiefs land? They are 15th in scoring defense right now. Yeah. I don't know if I believe in that or not. That's I think going to be the big question as, as far as it takes, you know, new England specifically, we can score on them. I mean, that's why it's 35%. That's why it's that high. That's why people have confidence. We can score on new England we put up 41 on them in that game in September and I know that that's a long time ago but I mean if the Patriots are scoring what 29 a game or something I know that you know Tom Brady threw for 44% completions or whatever in September they scored 24 points like it's it's not like we you know held the Patriots to 10 at home and it was this great aberration we scored 41 I mean and and I'm not saying the Chiefs can go into Foxborough in January and score 41 but it's all about the Chiefs defense at this point. And the the only thing though that scares me is that so many so many times throughout this season, especially early on, it was like we've seen that for the last, you know, 4 years of Alex Smith and Andy Reid that the Chiefs defense has been who comes to work every day and you can count on them. And it seems like the philosophy is changing. The Chiefs are becoming an offensive team. And then in the games this year when the offense hasn't performed, we've lost. So if the Chiefs go out and they do what they have been able to do most of the season on offense, then I expect them to be able to take teams down to the wire at the very least. 35%, I don't think is that high. Um I mean even even going into Foxborough. This is not the same Patriots that we're used to watching.
0: Would you have it about the same? 35-40%?
1: 35-40%? Yeah, I mean I feel pretty comfortable with that. Um
0: What about I'm- at Pittsburgh?
1: I, 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 I think let's it's say Buffalo the... wins
0: the game. It's, I mean, it's possible Buffalo wins the game. I'm not sold on Jacksonville and Blake Bortles. Mm, right. What if Jacksonville loses the game, Buffalo? So you play that second round game at Pittsburgh. Is it greater because the Steelers are a lesser team, or is it a lower percentage because the Chiefs? If there's any team, we know they don't match up well against. It's Pittsburgh. I'll give you. I'll give you this. My percentage chance of them beating Pittsburgh would be. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's still Brady in January, but I think by definition you have to give the Chiefs a better chance to beat New England, A, because I've seen them beat them multiple times in the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons, and you're right, I do think, I think the Chiefs know something about the Patriots and how to scheme for their weaknesses better than 95% of the other teams in the NFL.
2: Well, I mean, look at Andy Reid's history against Bill Belichick, he has, he has a good history, even back to Philadelphia, he he did, his teams did well against Bill Belichick coach teams, like even... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Patriots' 2007 season, I think. Stupid and, Donovan McNabb and and Andy Reid had a, uh, a a bad team that year, and they took that that undefeated Patriots team to the limit. Like Andy Reid just knows how to coach against a Bill Belichick team, I think. But still, even with that, I think I give him a better chance of beating
0: Pittsburgh than New England Cause Cause they, because just because I, Brown because of Antonio Brown's injury or just.
1: I remember Ryan and I
0: were talking, he was like using the do theory, man. They're kind of do for one of these against Pittsburgh. Yeah. They've just played so bad against Pittsburgh. I just, I,
2: I can't imagine them playing that bad again. I recently, we watched the playoff game against Pittsburgh last year and was awestruck at how bad they played. Like, like just two quarters of like hardly a good play in there in the second and third quarter, just absolutely terrible. And I just don't think they'd play that bad again. I think they'd, they know the problem. Ever since the Pittsburgh game this year, they finally figured it out, I think. And, you know, team after team through that zone look at them. So I think hopefully Andy's had enough time to prepare for it and they've had enough teams give them the looks of what Pittsburgh gives them that they would be prepared this time. And, I mean, it's it's pretty much just saying that out of fear of Belichick and Brady, pretty much. So I'd, I'd give them 35% at New England, 40% at Pittsburgh is what I'd say.
1: I, I'm, I'm not trying to just, like, pass on this. Uh, as far as the matchups are concerned, I'm just I'm looking so much more at the Chiefs than I am at who they're playing. And I mean, I, I know that the competition over the last few weeks hasn't been that great, but the Chiefs are playing the way that we we know that they're capable of, and the way that we expect them to. They forced twelve turnovers in the last four games when they went four zero. If you take the Denver game out of it, which we all know is kind of weird, they outscored their final three of four opponents eighty to thirty one. I mean, we we prepared for those last four games when we knew the Chiefs had to start winning. They couldn't lose again and said, they're going to play bad teams. What do you do? You have to, like, destroy bad hey, get teams. Get right, get healthy. And they did. You know, 80-31 to 31 over a three-game stretch. I mean, I, I really like what the team is doing, and especially as far as turnovers are concerned. The Chiefs finished second in the league again in turnover ratio. They're plus 15, and I, I just – I think that, especially when you see some of the cracks in New England with Brady turning the ball over, um, and, and then I, I look at Pittsburgh, and I know that Pittsburgh is good, but if if you dig and you look into the, some of the stats, and maybe that just means you have to squint a little bit and, and get kind of creative, but Le'Veon was not great this year. Um, his yards per carry were below league average. His yards per touch in the receiving game were below league average, and I mean, I know that Le'Veon has still been a killer against the Chiefs, and it's also like they the splits for Roethlisberger home and on the road are like historical. It's unbelievable how much better he plays at home.
2: Yeah, everywhere except Arrowhead.
1: Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so, I mean, I, I there's obviously fear with the Steelers, but I've likened at least the last few games against Pittsburgh to how long it took the Chiefs to get over the hump against Denver. I mean, the Chiefs have suddenly won 16 of their last 18 games against the AFC West as a whole, but we used to not be able to play with that team. They were way more physical than us, and there was just like this mental edge, and I don't know if it was specifically Peyton Manning or if it was more about Von Miller and TJ Ward and what, but I look at Pittsburgh, and when the Chiefs have lost to the Steelers, it seems like it's just a mental edge. And that's why I say I think they're due to how, beat Pittsburgh. How do
0: you overcome that, though, with no Eric Berry? Because I do agree with you. Like, I always use this analogy. I remember in the Super Bowl when, this, when the uh, Broncos played the Seahawks. I remember that year the Broncos' offense was amazing. And I remember it was in the first quarter, Demaryius Thomas was running a crossing route underneath, and Cam Chancellor hit him. A play that Denver had ran probably 200 times that used to go for 11 and 12 yards, went for three yards. And I knew right then at that moment Denver's not winning this game. Like, what they normally do, Seattle had prepared for it and planned for it, and I think it was mental there, and Denver just kind of shut down, and we all know what happened. They got their ass beat in the game. Mm -hmm. Who do you think on this team can overcome that mental edge? Because I do think that moment is going to happen in this game. Man, this is the same thing that's happened. Man, we tried to overcome against the same team, but Le'Veon Bell, hey, we thought we schemed against him, but man, he got a 12-yard run in this. Oh, man, hey, we thought we scouted this really well, but hey, no Antonio Brown, but hey, Juju just beat us for 25 yards. How much of it do you think the Steelers now kind of have that mental edge, and who on this team do you think can overcome that mental edge if that's who they end up playing? Yeah,
1: Ryan, who do you think? Uh, I, is, is Reggie Ragland count? Uh, <laughs> that's not what
0: you we want love. To hear. Reggie Ragland. That's, that's not what guy. we want to hear. That's your guy. You love Reggie.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I know that's not probably what people want to hear. I mean, so look, Ragland is a big difference maker. I mean, I, we didn't I, have him against the Pittsburgh
2: game, in, in the Pittsburgh game earlier this season. And right. I was
0: just gonna say that I think this is gonna sound crazy. People call this a hot take. I think the loss of Ryan Shazier on the defense, at least against the Chiefs, is about equal for the loss of Antonio or possible loss of Antonio Brown or him being hobbled. Mm-hmm. Ryan Shazier neutralizes Travis Kelsey every time they play him. That if one of your big advantages is, hey, the mismatch you have with Travis Kelsey, too big and fast for a linebacker. Um, and also too big and just for a, a corner. Like, just too big for a corner. How can you match up with them? I mean, Ryan Shazier normally neutralizes that, that it's no advantage for him. And I would say advantage uh, Pittsburgh. If the Chiefs cannot or, or not go up against Ryan Shazier and you can get good Travis Kelsey in this, that greatly tips the balance in the Chiefs' favor.
2: There's at least a theory out there, a working theory that... To beat the Chiefs, you know, you play a zone defense, but to play that zone defense, you need a dominant inside linebacker. And someone's broken this down for me before, and I don't have uh, these names in front of me, but the teams that have been able to do this to the Chiefs before all have this very fast, athletic, dominant inside linebacker.
1: It's like the the cover two middle yeah, linebacker that can like, play the basically play the defense, middle yeah, yeah, third, yeah. right? The, you know, the, Derek the, the, Brooks, essentially. Yes. yes exactly. Brian Erlacher.
2: So you take that guy away from the Steelers and yeah, they'll they'll be missing something against stopping the Chiefs. And and also all these games against the Steelers, man, they've kicked our ass, obviously. But both these games have come down to the end. Uh you know, somehow. Uh you know, I don't know how because they've taken it to us in both of these games that I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm not thinking of like the blowout in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, no, that one. Yeah, I don't. But think the, the last that two games,
2: you know, I feel like they've totally worked us, and both have been one score games, and we've had a chance at the end. And I don't know how, so I kind of look at it like if the Chiefs can just play better, like they should, you know, at least be right there in the game and have a good chance to win it. I just kind of look
0: at, I guess, what's happened with the Chiefs over the last like little bit like it kind of feels like as you were alluding to that like Broncos hump that you eventually had to get over but like the I like I kind of feel like the Patriots don't have a mental edge over the Chiefs like the Chiefs feel pretty confident and know we can beat the Patriots I assume to a man you ask me if you can beat the Steelers you can beat them but like I said I do think that punch happens in the game and they kind of do liken back to the past failed experiences against the Steelers
1: I I think the biggest thing for me um, I, I, I have no idea if he's good or not. And I know I'm already talking about him the second time today, but when I think about Matt Nagy and just giving someone else a shot to call plays against Pittsburgh, I mean, if the common denominator in the two Pittsburgh games was they were able to dominate the clock and control possession. And we basically just looked terrible on offense. But since Nagy has taken over, the offense has really been on a roll. Then I'm I want to see that. I don't know if it's you know the the Steelers having Andy Reid's number or or what. I don't know, but any any little change, any subtle change, I'm for that, and I'm more than happy to see you know what we what we might be able to get from a Matt Nagy you know called offense against Pittsburgh, just because it's something different.
0: I guess to go back to what you said, and I wrote it down because it kind of slipped my mind, but I remember is talk about. How the games between the Chiefs and the Steelers have been so close. I always say like football is largely defined by like six to eight plays that happen throughout the course of the game. Like who's going to make more of those eight plays? Like if it's if it's seven plays throughout the course of a game that are like truly defining plays. I mean the team that makes four of them is going to win the game a majority of the time. It does feel like the Chiefs have just lost in that area every single time. Like you get the holding penalty on the third down where you can get a chance to get the ball back. Antonio Brown gets a first down. You are right that the margin between the Steelers and the Chiefs, it does feel like it's 50-48%. That the Steelers are just a little marginally better than the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, and I mean, in re-watching that Steelers game, I mean, it comes down to these weird plays where we finally get pressure on Roethlisberger one time, but Tama trips over his teammate, so he lands right at Roethlisberger's feet. And that's the play where he throws it, you know, 60 yards downfield doing 10 Brown with, with Justin Houston on him. So, so it comes down to, to, to figure that out play, how that happened. It comes down to... Ja Reed in the game is a six offensive lineman and just gets destroyed off the snap. And, and Alex takes a sack on a third and short where, you know, you're driving and you'd hope to convert there. And it's just these individual plays where you have to be better. Yeah. And I and I totally agree with you. Those those, you know, I would I would call it like eight to ten plays. And I look at like third and mids and then I look at like big plays But like those third and mids. Who's going to win those those third and third and four through third and six? Who's going to be able to win those? That's situational
0: football. I'm going to give you a cliche question here. X factor for the playoffs. Because my opinion has drastically changed on Albert Wilson. I thought Albert Wilson was like a nice piece, okay, largely replaceable. But over the last like five to six weeks, I've just seen how wrong I am. And like, if you can get good Albert Wilson in these games, you give yourself a really good chance. Like, if you can get three, four catches, 40, 50 yards, like, if he's making a catch, it's normally a big catch in one of those swing plays you're talking about. It's a third and five, and he gets a seven-yard catch to extend the drive, and drive in which you get points on instead of punting. Like I kind of look at Albert Wilson as the catalyst a little bit, the X factor in all of this.
2: Yeah, and don't let it be lost. I mean, the Chiefs offense was struggling there. It was Demarcus Robinson that had first filled in for Chris Conley playing that receiver role every snap. Mm-hmm. And one of the games in there, probably Oakland or San Diego, probably Oakland game, I think, uh, Albert Wilson took over that role, and he started playing every single snap. And Demarcus Robinson started playing around half the snaps. So um, there was a lot of weird things, like like Andy kind of alluding to like receivers running the wrong routes on some of these interceptions and stuff. And, I remember that, and I think they weren't quite happy with Demarcus Robinson and went with Albert Wilson, who's you know more of a trusted guy at this point. He's been good uh and you just look at the continuity of the Chiefs and I mean he helps add to that and Demarcus Robinson was like a new guy and he kind of threw everything off kilter but the Chiefs have had a lot of the same pieces for a few years here under the same coaching staff so there's been a lot of continuity and I think Albert Wilson back in the lineup full-time was really you know brought that together
1: before the 2016 season I went all in on Albert Wilson (laughs) was like pushing all my chips to the middle of the table and I, I mean he disappointed me pretty, pretty <laughs> greatly, and I looked stupid for it. And then they brought him back on this, this like restricted free agent deal, this one year deal that he's on right now. And we've seen that when Albert was hurt this year, it seemed like those were a lot of the games where the team was struggling to adjust. And as soon as he comes back, they start scoring points again. There's and some Albert Wilson
2: truthers out there. there Let me tell you, I mean, you two there, are the Albert there, Wilson truthers. Oh no, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. no. Ryan no, might be. I don't know about you, Dirk. Pim- Ryan might be. There's people out there who, Albert Wilson is the difference maker.
0: I feel like the people were saying about Chris Conley, too, and I'm like, all right, come on now, guys.
2: They thought that they were
0: right. Because, like, really quick, and what, what tripped me out about it is, I mean, if you go ask... 90% of NFL teams, would you have the injury problems that the like would you trade your injury problems for the Chiefs' injury problems? Like a lot of teams take that trade. Now you don't have Eric Barry, but hell, you look around the NFL, every team's missing their star, it feels like right now. Mm-hmm. Man, if you're if your injury concerns are Chris Conley, Albert Wilson, and D Ford, I would say you've gotten really fortunate in terms of like injury wheel of fortune.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. We're heading into a Chiefs playoff game. Let's let's not count our, our chickens before they hatch. Is,
0: is that it? Did I say it right? You
1: did.
2: Oh, well, let's not count our chickens before they hatch because the <laughs> Chiefs' playoff history is is filled with uh, injury
0: bugs. Let's say that. I mean, knock on wood, all right, you're right. I'm just saying is, when I look around the NFL, Houston, I think, was going to make the playoffs. They lose their quarterback, they're done. The Giants, they lost Odo Beckham at the beginning of the season. They might have been done. The Packers probably make the playoffs if they keep their quarterback healthy the whole time. Every team's going to be ravaged with injuries at some point. Like, it's football. It's a game of attrition. Mm -hmm. I would just say, like, in terms of the hierarchy of injuries that really cripple your season, the Chiefs have been somewhat fortunate with the injuries they've had. Eric Berry's a big injury. I'll give you that. Spencer Ware at the beginning of the season, but you turn that into giving Kareem Hunt enough touches for him to be the leading rusher in the NFL. Aside from that, it's been a lot of secondary pieces that have been injured. They haven't really missed too many key guys. Like, Alex Smith played every game this season. Kareem Hunt played every game this season. Tyreek Hill played every game. Travis Kelsey played every game. Marcus Peters kind of played every game so far this season. Justin Houston stayed healthy the entire year. Ron Parker stayed. Like, you, a majority of Ron your Parker key helped. guys. Ron Parker was playing all year? He uh, For a little bit. <laughs> for the main part, out of their 10 key guys on the team, they kept eight of them healthy the entire season. You kind of couch your injury blessings, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, some of it, though, I. I know people don't like to give John Dorsey credit for anything now that he's gone, but a a lot of it is just the depth that they were able to create and the way that they were able to absorb some of those injuries. Even the Barry injury, I think that everybody, when you were trying to put a silver lining on it was, well, at least we have Ron Parker and Sorensen and a guy in Eric Murray that like we felt only wasn't seeing the field because they had three other guys in front of him. You know, you end up ultimately losing Mitch Morse, and well, we have Zach Fulton, who we think is an, an above replacement level center. You know, they, a lot of that I think is just the depth that they've had. Back to I, I Bert, think, I, real th- quick, can I? Yeah, please? yeah. Go ahead. So Bert Schruter, dude, Albert Wilson, twenty-eight plays against Denver, and he was targeted eleven times. Twenty-nine had, targets. Had, had, had 20, he was <laughs> I saw the, it,
2: no, I saw that stuff on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter.
1: Yeah, he, he was targeted eleven times and had ten catches for basically one fifty, and he was only on the field for twenty-eight plays um what happens in games like this when you have for the most part a a bunch of guys that you don't know i mean the chiefs on defense were playing someone named keith reaser he actually looked good and james hasty out there and justin hamilton i have i have no idea who either of these guys are and they played almost a hundred percent of the snaps on defense what um, was the
2: second name? I know Reesor. I don't uh, know the other. Justin names. Hamilton. He was. He's like the nose
0: tag. He was a. He's the large mammal out there. Yeah,
1: I have no idea. Reese, No, of these I could have, have
0: told you Reese is on the team. The Hamilton guy. I. You could have made a. You could have named someone from Friday Night Lights, and i thought, like, oh yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. No, I don't know who that is. I'm well, telling you, Reaser looked good.
1: So it's it's in games like this that I think the guys that really belong in the NFL that they tend to rise, and so when I see Albert Wilson, who. Maybe against number ones, isn't going to go out and have 11 targets for 10 catches and 150 yards, but against, you know, the number twos and threes. And he wasn't even playing against twos and threes, I guess. Denver's defense, for the most part, was playing a lot of their starters. Yeah, I think some of them sat a little bit, but for the most I mean, part- it's it's a it's a great sign. It's a positive sign, but I think it was also just Mahomes is like I I know this guy.
2: Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> he picked a good guy to be uh, to have a rapport with with, with Patrick Mahomes. Like they all of a sudden, re- like all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, Albert Wilson's now a, a commodity that people want to bring back, and yeah. nobody remembers the seventy-yard uh, touchdown he dropped the week before. <laughs> like nobody remembers it. That 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 is gone. I kind gone.
0: I kind of think he's Seth Roberts though. Like if you're another team. Three years, twelve million dollars, five guaranteed for Albert Wilson. To me, seems worth the dice roll. I mean, it's yeah. not not a big contract. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, essentially a one year, five million dollar dice roll on Albert Wilson mm. as a team. I take that chance if I'm another organization. If it, I'm like San Francisco, he's always I, been I roll a the tease. Dice at that. He's
1: he's always been a tease because like you you see the ability. He honestly, I think he has great ability to get vertical. Um, he's he's really fast, and he was uh, a great playmaker in college. And so when they brought him here, he was one of those undrafted guys that I think people were really excited about. And he has, he's got some of these really weird efficiency stats that like, he was, like, second in the league in forced missed tackles at the wide receiver position. Albert mm-hmm. Wilson in limited snaps forced 15 missed tackles this year.
2: Yeah, out there with, like, Golden Tate and, and Jarvis but, Landry. like, he's like, guys the like that.
0: he's like the opposite of D'Anthony Thomas, who we thought was going to make right. guys miss who never makes anyone miss.
1: But it's it's not just that. Like, um, So there's a guy named Matt Harmon that talks about wide receiver efficiency, and it's it's essentially about, like, what routes you run and what your success rate versus coverage is. And Albert Wilson, I think especially on, on slants – is like one of the most efficient beaters of defensive backs running a slant in NFL history. Like, and it's it's really it's. I know that that's kind of like nerd. It's it's nerd stuff, but Super like, nerdy. there there are some things Karen where sleeping over there. But that's <laughs> the that's the kind of stuff though that it takes. I think when you're talking about trying to exploit matchups and figuring out like what guys do best. That's what we always looked at with New England. Was New England's going to go get a guy like Wes Welker because Wes Welker runs. You know, a five yard out better than any player in the NFL. And they're going to ask him to run it 15 times and they're going to run, throw it to him 10, and he's going to catch seven for 100 yards and a touchdown. And so, if if Albert Wilson is really great at running a slant, then you're going to have him run a slant 10 West times a game.
2: I'm, that's, what that's what i always said about Albert Wilson. <laughs> that's
1: exactly where I'm going with well, it.
2: Well, let's just, let's he's just, black, say, so he
0: can't be like West Walker. Oh, damn. Is possible. he? Oh, yeah, you're right.
2: Um, mm-hmm. uh, Albert Wilson earned himself millions of dollars in that Week 17 game against Denver in the grand scheme of things. He raised his next contract by multiple millions of dollars just with that one game.
0: No, you're right. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause, yeah, I, mean I was never making the Seth Roberts comparison. Then I'm like, man, man, this guy's Seth Roberts. Yeah. Three years, yeah. $12 million. I think he's a, he's a great choice for an X-Factor, though. Yeah, I like absolutely. Them. I got like five minutes left before I got to get out of here. I want to ask you guys two final things, and then we'll get predictions, and we'll get out of here. Is there any way Matt Nagy's on the team next year? Because I think the answer is no. Like, if I am a team that has a young quarterback there's no way that I'm passing on Matt Nagy. Like, if I'm the Bears and I have Mitch Trubisky and I've seen what Matt Nagy can do for quarterbacks and for offenses, I'm hiring him. Like, maybe I'm giving NFL teams too credit because then you hire 66-year-old general manager for the Giants and then you'll hire Jim Schwartz to be your coach that that clearly is not going to work out. Like, I always, I want NFL teams to be a little bit more creative in their hires. I hire Matt Nagy if I have a young quarterback because I would want him to raise my quarterback up.
2: Well, how are you so convinced that he's he's like the, the quarterback guru? Like, you're giving him the credit for, for Alex's year this year, I guess? I
0: think the play calling and being around it, I agree with you. It's hard to know. But, I mean, Doug Peterson, like, I don't know how involved he was. He got a job with the Eagles, and it ended up working out. Like, I think with this, we'll never know. Like, kind of like what happens with drafts. If you like the guy, he was the one that made the pick. If you didn't like the guy, he wasn't the one that made the pick. Like, Ty Haley, like, never made any decisions when he was here. But then, like, it, it's weird in that sense. I would say I'd kind of look at Doug Peterson. I think kind of the same situation. What he did with Carson Wentz and kind of developed that offense, I would roll the dice on Andy Reid's track record and the coaching tree that he has. That Matt Nagy could be the next Doug Peterson. I would take a chance. And that would excite me more as a fan base than an uninspired, "Hey, let's hire a retread like let's hire a retread coach who hasn't worked out his failed job that now went to be a coordinator and hope he can work again." Like take a chance on a guy like Nagy. That's what I would do if I had a young quarterback.
2: Yeah, I would I would, I mean I would definitely be looking for the next QB guru. I just don't know if Matt Nagy is the guy because you look at it you don't know how much is Nagy and how much is Andy and sure he's come in and, and provided a spark in play calling, but that doesn't mean he's like a, a QB no, guru right. or anything. But I totally agree with you that looking at Andy Reid's coaching tree, like there's a lot of success to be had there. So if if you're just picking the next piece off of that tree, then yes, that's that's a, a, a good strategy i would say like
0: i said it, it's just it's just hard to know because like i said with drafts if we like a guy he gets credit for the drafts if we don't like a guy oh he had nothing to do with that draft pick like he just had nothing to do with it like it doesn't make any sense that i would say with quarterbacks nagy's certainly been around read enough to kind of soak up the process and he's had enough one-to-one help with alex smith that i would bet on him taking chunks of that and incorporating that in my franchise
1: i mean i've I've seen a few people say that, like, if I'm a team, I would love to get Matt Nagy and Alex Smith as a package, at least, like, for, you know, a couple years to, to escort you into the future. With with Nagy, like, I think the biggest reason teams are interested is because he's he's only 40. He's get, He'll turn 40 years old in April. And, I mean, after you see what McVay has done, like, people are just kind of looking for that, I think. That's what teams are interested in right now. Um, how old
0: is Kyle Shanahan? I can't think of the top of my head. I feel like he I would say maybe early 40s. Yeah, I kind of feel like he's under 43. I can't see him much being being much older than that.
1: Uh yeah, he's 38. Okay. <clears throat> um just turned 38. And Peterson's almost 50. So, I mean, he's a little bit older, but I don't know. I guess I like I don't know if Matt Nagy's good. I really don't. But I don't. I don't think anybody really knew if Sean McVay was good either. I mean, he was an offensive coordinator for Washington for a few years, and like, I mean, I think even one of those years was when they couldn't decide if they were going to play, you know, Cousins or Griffin, maybe, and maybe. I don't, I don't know if that's. I may be off on that, but either way, like, has Washington's offense been fantastic? Not. Really? I mean, I don't think so. so I give a I lot mean, of credit
0: for Cousins, though. Like, I mean, you did take a mid-round draft pick and you turned him into a perennial four thousand-yard passer, and a guy that can throw and, and a guy that can throw thirty touchdowns. Like, you get right. some credit for that.
2: I think it's just such a different job from being a coordinator to being a head coach. Like, it's just pretty much impossible to predict like and a lot like, of it look at all these failed head coaches that you'd love to have as a coordinator just because you know yeah. they've been a head coach before they know what that's like here go back to teaching just this
1: I was already talking about like wanting to have Marvin Lewis come coach the defense but I would never want him to be my head coach <laughs> um I mean the think the I think one of the biggest reasons for success with McVay is that he immediately identified like I need a veteran that I can lean on to basically take care of the defense and he got Wade Phillips And so, I mean, if Matt Nagy can, you know, get Marvin Lewis or you know someone like that to coach the defense, um, I mean, that that'd be nice. But I don't know if the Chiefs lose him. I think there's probably just another guy that steps up. People are making it sound like if the Chiefs lose Nagy, like it's over. We're in so much trouble. Um, and just bring, I in Reed I bring in
2: another ex Andy Reid backup quarterback. Bring in Kevin Cobb to be the next I, offensive coordinator. I think,
1: honestly, the biggest thing, like the the only like real worry that I would have in losing Nagy is that we suddenly just go right back to Andy Reid calling the plays. But at least with Mahomes, it's something different. And so it's not Andy Reid and Alex Smith, and teams can just like lean on that and maybe start to tee off in ways that they have you know, at times this season with the zone defenses and stuff.
0: I got two minutes left. Anybody got final predictions or things they want to get on tape before the playoffs start? Uh, I just want to say
1: the
2: Chiefs are in an interesting situation where if they lose this game on Saturday night to the Titans, people are going to be pissed. I think it's the worst loss in 20 years. The if- worst? Ugh, I've... I, I mean, in,
0: in terms of, like, context of what is like, the Giants' loss is a technically worse loss the Giants or a worse team. Yeah. If they lose a home playoff game as nine-point favorites at home against Tennessee, whose quarterback threw more interceptions than touchdowns this season, I mean, I don't want to know what's going to happen on Monday if it's that People are going to be mad, okay? I mean, Alex Smith might move Sunday night <laughs> if that happens. because so he's, he's getting blamed for it. Of course. I mean, the conversation's going to be, is Andy Reid over the hill? Like, it's going to be bad if they lose.
2: Well, I think the solution is easy because you're just like, well, Mahomes starts next Mm -hmm. year, so things are different. So, I I don't think the solution is is very tough if that happens. That's kind of the silver lining. So, anyways, you have that. Now, fast forward one week. If the Chiefs win that second-round game in New England, it's their biggest win since the Super Bowl season. Because... They've won that round before, but you know, beating the defending Super Bowl at champions New England, yeah, in New England change, or absolutely. beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, who beat you last year, and it's mm-hmm. this storied team, I think that's a little bit bigger than the uh, 92 or 93, whatever season that was that they won the divisional game. I agree. So you're looking at the biggest win in 48 years, one week after, if we lose this game, you called it the worst loss in 20 years. So that's that's what we're looking at over the next eight days.
1: Um, A, a couple things for me. So, first... The Chiefs are 31st in the NFL against opponents' number 1 wide receivers, and there is a quick fix for that, and we know what it is. And people have talked about it all year long. We've been hoping to see Sutton pull something out in order to throw teams off balance, and even if it's only like, hey, it's third down and six, I'm going to put Marcus Peters on Antonio Brown and let him travel right now just to throw a wrinkle in there. The Chiefs have some things they can do to throw teams off balance, and I want to see him do it. Um not against Tennessee I'm guessing. Yeah, not not specifically against Tennessee. Um I'm I'm not really that worried about the Titans, but the last time that the Chiefs won a home playoff game was 1994 against Pittsburgh Steelers. That was the year that they went to the AFC Championship game. So, I'm I'm kind of hoping that exercising this home playoff demon means that they can get back to the AFC Championship game, but I don't know if, you know, that and if it's a round win, was against the uh, Houston Oilers. Yeah, who are now was the Tennessee Titans at so. Houston when they be beat Warren. Full Murray. circle. So, um, I mean, I am expecting the team to go to the AFC Championship game just because I think that that's, I think they're ready for it. I think that they've gone through enough battles and that they're they're ready for that. Um, but I mean, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be like picking them next week.
0: You guys got but anything to plug as we get out of here? I really wish I had more time to talk. I just if I'm no, late for this meeting, I might get fired. Can I is I'm okay with you getting <laughs> Can <laughs> they I might ask one me.
1: question? Like are, any any nerves at all with a rookie kicker? Like any oh, yeah. nerves?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, always. I haven't even thought about it. To given be given the Chiefs That's what I'm
1: saying. Like I haven't I haven't thought about it that much, but then suddenly I was like, Man, we he's been so good all year. Like, should I be nervous? He's a rookie.
2: Yeah. I mean The Chiefs playoffs knows no bounds. I mean, Morton Anderson missed, like, a 30-yard field goal in a playoff game, and he's a Hall of Famer, so it does not matter how good your kicker is. There is still a Chiefs playoff kicker thing out there.
0: No, I think what calms your nerves is, I mean, the first game of his NFL career, it's Monday night football, and he kicks a game-winning kick. Or he kicked, you know, he played really well. Like, I think that kind of changes, like, Obviously, it's the mm-hmm. playoffs. It's different. Like it hasn't like he hasn't kicked in big time environments already in big time spots where I felt like I would have a good reason to believe there was some rookie nerves attached to him.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Totally. agree. Okay. You guys
0: got nothing to plug? No nothing. No website. No t shirts. You guys ain't selling nothing now. Everybody's selling some. Everybody's digital these days. Man,
2: it's playoff season. I'm focused on one thing and one thing only:
1: <laughs> getting some wins. <laughs>
0: some eating, wins. eating this W, <laughs> God, James, I will definitely end on that. That was his darkness. That was Ryan Hall. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We out of here.